The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I actually checked the temperature before we started the show, and it is 63 degrees in Kansas City, meaning it is the first day of the two weeks of fall we're going to get before it (laughs) drops to about 40 degrees. (laughs) Well, we made our... Our camping trip over the weekend at just the right time, then I guess. Although we, yeah. I think we're going to enjoy camping uh, during the the fall, though. I think we're going to look forward to that. More campfires and stuff. I like hearing that. I, at some point, I, I've told you this before. Uh, for those of you who have not listened to the podcast before, I should tell you that John is now a big trailer man. He's an outdoors man. Uh, he he <laughs> has excitement on the go. I I'm not a big outdoors man, but I happen to be a big s'mores man. So once it yeah. once the temperature dips to a certain point, I'll get my Syracuse blanket and I'll, I'll come out there <laughs> to to the campfire, get a s'more or two in. I uh, speaking of the of Syracuse, I have my I I have I see a, that yeah. I have the the sliding door open to get a nice chill in the apartment, and I got I love the fall. The fall weather is is the best in Kansas City. As I was joking before, it feels like we get two weeks of it because for about two to four weeks here, I, I guarantee this is what's going to happen. Some days it's going to still feel like a little summery. Then you'll get that natural fall feel. And then probably around, let's say, October 22nd, it is going to be freezing for three months. So I'm going to try to enjoy these and pick and choose these fall days as I get them, John. So instead of being the the go-to guy for Chiefs analysis on TV stations, you're angling to be a weatherman now? Is that the deal? Gary Lezak, um, big, big <laughs> Lezy, great, great weatherman at KSHB 41. I can't do what he does. I do not know <laughs> how these weather people can look at themselves with the green screen behind them and point to <laughs> nothing. I don't even know what I'm pointing at here. Sometimes I'll try to point at something and I'm on the wrong side. Uh, yeah. No, um, can't do it. All right. Uh, enough about the weather. The weather in, in Chiefs Kingdom right now is rainy. There yeah. is chaos. We have Overcast. to get into that. Yeah. Before we do, got to tell you guys this. If you love the podcast, if you love this show or one of the shows, give us a great rating and review. Five stars is the way to go. Typically, leave us a comment. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Happy to hear it. So long as you leave five stars. Don't be don't be the one star man at the party. You know what I mean? Why? Why? Why are you going to go and waste your time out of your day to leave us one star? Give us five stars. Come on. What are we doing? All right. Enough. Let's get into the Chiefs news. We're just two days after a Sunday night football game in which the Baltimore Ravens dealt the Chiefs their first loss of the season, 36 to 35. And we usually, the first thing we do is talk about some of the news. And what is interesting out of this game is there's really not much news to report um, aside from what was the game and the shock value that was the Chiefs losing on Sunday night uh, against the Ravens, which in a way, it, it starts our show on a, a good level because you had Tyron Matthew returning to the lineup looks pretty good. We'll get into that. We had Frank Clark returning to the lineup. Didn't didn't seem like there was much of a, a setback with these guys. Andy Reid spoke to the media on Monday, and we'll go over the highlights. 
no injuries to report. So if there That's is the a grand, yeah, yeah, if there's a grand silver lining here, yeah, it's the fact that the Chiefs are now entering week three of the season. And for the most part, we know Willie Gay has one more game at least on IR. For the most part, this is a pretty healthy football team. Absolutely. And that's going to be an important thing as the season goes, especially in what is now a season that's one game longer uh, mm-hmm. than it's been for, you know, 40 years or whatever it's been since they went to the to the 16 game schedule. Uh, I think it's longer than that. I have to stop and look that up. But it's been a long time that they've played a 16 game schedule. And uh, that's going to matter more and more, I think, as time goes on. So it's very, very pleasant to have the Chiefs uh, so healthy at this point. We welcomed Matthew and Frank Clark back into the lineup. One player looked like himself and had two interceptions. The other player was a little invisible. I I didn't know if Frank Clark was on the field at times in this game. So we'll get into some snap count takeaways. Uh, We can start there. I I said there there was no FedEx air player, FedEx (laughs) ground player to report this week after that performance. So let's dive right into snap counts, John. Uh, yeah, well, I think the thing that we were all interested in in learning uh, going into this game uh, with uh, Clark and Matthew back and Derek Noddy more fully recovered from his uh, hip issue was how much that they would play. Uh, Matthew was on the field for every snap, just like he is uh, all the time. So that's a check mark there. I think the same is true for Clark. He played uh, 69% of the snaps, I think it was. That's right in the range of snaps he played last year. You know, they, they vary week to week, especially the defensive players. Um, but it, And it's on the low side of uh, what he would typically have in a game, but it's in the normal range. And Naughty was, uh, uh, was right back where he was. At uh, I think it was forty-one uh, percent. I think he averaged forty-three percent last year. So he's all three of these players back to their their normal participation in the games. Right. Yeah. I I didn't really have too many snaps that I saw that that really caught me off guard. I know we're going to get into the Thornhill conversation when we come up on Andy Reid's press conference from Monday. But I think it was good to see. Frank Clark back into the mix. I, I think sometimes it takes a game or two to really feel like yourself. Mm-hmm. Chiefs can yeah. desperately use another guy opposite Chris Jones that can make an impact. And we've seen when Frank Clark is healthy, he's among the better pass rushers in the league. It's just been a while since we really felt like he's been consistently healthy. So I think him being in that range, the 69% of defensive snaps is good because remember, this is Steve Spagnolo who likes to rotate these guys, right? right? I mean, even some of his better players, he likes to have the rotational uh, defensive line where you're getting fresh legs out there and, and toward the end of the game, you can take advantage of that, really. Like, And that, that's something that Colin Saunders talked about. Like, let's try to have no drop-off when Turk Wharton and I enter the game, for example. And so you're seeing, I think, the Chiefs with – these players coming back from injury or, or the COVID list, it's getting to be a little bit more normalized. So in a game where the defense played so poorly, at least you can say, okay, you know, maybe next game they'll, they'll feel like they're in a groove in a sense, and maybe that'll lead to more success. Yeah. And, and it, it does take a time for guys to get back in. I, I think that uh, Matthew might tell you privately, we don't get the chance to ask him a private question, but he might tell you privately that he wasn't all the way back. Um, I think there's an argument that those interceptions he made weren't because he was supremely athletic on those plays, but he just found himself in the right position and made the play. You know, you always have to make the catch when it comes right at you. And he did that to his credit. But, um, you know, I I think it's right to say that it's going to take a game or two for these guys to get fully into form after they've been away for a while, particularly in the case of Clark, because he missed all of the preseason, didn't get any of that time. But it was good that he was back on the field in what would normally be his normal range, um, and that's a good thing. Yes, uh, completely agree. John, you have a full breakdown of these Chiefs Ravens snaps at com, and something that jumped out here, we noticed mid-game that Mike Hughes and Rashad Fenton were coming in and out you had a note here that i just want to go over because i I thought that was interesting because this was an ongoing battle throughout training camp Mm -hmm. which hughes ultimately won it was a three-man battle between hughes fenton and baker 
and I'll read your excerpt here. Cornerback Mike Hughes' use dropped from 54% to 31% of the snaps. Those snaps went to Rashad Fenton, who wasn't used on defense during week one. Fenton came in on more passing plays. A cornerback, Chris Lamons, was once again used on special teams, and Baker was inactive. Crazy that Lamons uh, is active over Baker. and I know you can understand because he plays special teams, probably part of the reason that he was kept over a guy like Tim Ward. Absolutely. Which over at the yeah. 53. But this little percentage change with Hughes and Fenton uh, makes me wonder, do the Chiefs think that Hughes might not be the answer there as their third cornerback. Are they just trying something here? Is Baker in line maybe to get some opportunities here in the near future? Well, there's no big sign of that right now. He's been active, inactive right. for two games now. Um, it may be that uh, they wanted to give Fenton more snaps and just didn't in week one. Um, right. You know, they've always been pretty high on Fenton, and he's performed well when he's been on the field, when he's had to fill in for other guys and be the – the primary outside cornerback, he's done pretty well. Um, I think it may it may just have been an oversight in week one that they that they uh, they didn't get him on the field for the defense. He was played in both games in special teams, um, but uh, so it might be just as simple as that. But it was kind of interesting to see uh, that after Hughes had had all the the snaps at slot corner in week one, that uh, Fenton came in for some of them, right. And it was interesting, I, I thought, as well, that Clyde edwards Lair, his snaps decreased a little bit as well. I I watched this team, and I, I'm not zoning in on the fumble. This is not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I just wonder, there were three plays on back-to-back on -back plays where you had Clyde out there, and then at one point you had McKinnon out there who had a nice play, and then Daryl went home. And... I don't want to say, like, this is going to be a sudden switch to a running back by committee. But I just I just see the beginning a little bit of maybe Andy Reid mixing and matching more at the running back position, especially as, and again, I'm not zoning in on the fumble, especially as Clyde at, at times, it, it just seems like there's some room to, to be desired with him. And maybe it, rather than just having him out there as a three down back, Reed chooses, okay, this is a particular situation for McKinnon. I'm thinking more like lining out wide. This is a a a third down and two where maybe we put Daryl and he just bruises his way to, to the first down. Maybe Clyde is more of a first and second down back. Now it's only eleven percent that you have here, but I, I just think it's it's an interesting thought to to start to think about there. Well, I, to me, the most significant difference in the running back snaps uh, coming out of week one to week two um, was that Williams came in um, more often on passing plays. Uh, yeah. In week one, all three of them uh, were on the field equally on running and passing plays, which suggests that the Chiefs, it only suggests, you can't put too much into this, but right. it suggests that the Chiefs feel that they're all up to the task of being pass blockers. Um, you know, this doesn't mean that the Chiefs don't think Edward Zelaire is a good pass blocker. It may just be a coincidence. You, you you know, you never know about these things, really. But, well, this is a trend that we'll watch. You know, if we continue to see Williams being in there more often on passing plays, then that suggests to us that the Chiefs are more comfortable with him as a pass blocker than they are with Edward Zolaire. So it's just something to monitor. Um, it was, I, I think it's the first time since we've been doing this detailed snap count work that I've really seen um, a game where they were all in there equal amounts, pass versus run, in week one. So it was kind of, a, maybe it was just that that was an unusual situation and what we're seeing now is the normal. Right, right, right. I, I think it is something to watch. I, I know we had a lot of conversation about whether or not Clyde was ready to be a, a pass protector. These numbers would suggest that maybe the Chiefs feel no, right? That, okay, let's get Williams there. You also, it's tough because you don't want it to be a tell situation too. Right, Darryl's right. Darryl's in and, and you know you're going to pass the football. So the Chiefs have to be careful there. And the same with, uh, uh, with Blake Bell you know, who is another right. player who's used more on running plays than on passing plays. But 
to the Chiefs' credit, they did use him and got a big gain on a passing play. Um, and, of course, coordinators are going to pay attention to that. If the guy's going to be a threat to catch a pass here and there, um, you know, then it becomes less of a tell issue when he's on the field. They still have to worry about a, a pass play. That's the beauty of, of the Chiefs' tight ends, really, and more particularly yeah. Kelsey and Bell, who mm-hmm. have this blocking ability as well <clears throat> as the pass-catching ability. So you can really, I think, mix and match. You can mask what you're, what you're trying to do there a little bit better, especially with those two tight ends. Sure. All right, th- those are your snap count takeaways. As I said before, uh, John has his full snap count breakdown right now available at arrowheadpride.com. When we come back, Andy Reid spoke to the media on Monday. Stay with us. We'll break it down right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon discussing the Chiefs this week, what happened after the 36 to 35 loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night football. And right now we're going to get into Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference on Zoom. He's been doing it on Zoom this year. If you want to listen to the full press conference without John and I jabbing about everything he said, <laughs> You can go and do that on from the podium right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Also, last night, we had an opportunity to have a nice conversation with Byron Pringle, who had the touchdown in this game. That is available for you, a bonus Arrowhead Pride interview series, again, right now on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. But one thing we didn't get into with the snap counts, and it's relevant because Andy Reid had some comments on this, is the idea that now Tyron Matthews back in the lineup, so it's one less safety position. Daniel Sorensen got those reps over Juan Thornhill, who had a nice end to his Cleveland Browns game with just 11 plays for Thornhill. Of the defensive players, he had the least amount of playing time. Here was Andy Reid on Juan Thornhill and Dan Sorensen. Juan and uh, Dan, I, they do uh, certain things the same and a couple things different, but it all kind of equals out. So, um, And Dan really has had the you know, he'd had the better camp and so on. So um, maybe a little bit more consistency there, but we love, have we love Juan and where he's coming, where he's getting himself back to where he was and his rookie year. And um, I don't want to take anything away from the effort that he's put forward to do that, but, um, and they, they, you know, they all get a chance to play. So I I think, uh, you know, we'll just take it, step by step here and and uh you can't have enough of those guys that they can play so you have andy reed really zoning in on the consistency during training camp and it's very interesting because we saw juan thornhill and he got a ton of reps during training camp in the preseason so much so that he was on with the second team at times with the first team also Mm -hmm. on with the third team and you almost got the sense from a team standpoint that they were just trying to find a way for him to show them that he was ready to be back in the lineup. And in week one, he had to be in the lineup out of necessity. The chiefs were down to safety. their their best defensive player, as a lot of people would say. So he had to play struggled in the first half. And then I typed out a thousand words, so a thousand reasons for him to play more in this game. And the Chiefs didn't listen. They don't read arrowheadpride.com, I guess, because sort of benched, <laughs> pseudo benched for uh, Dan Sorensen. And what's tough about this is now you go to the numbers, and there were times that Sorensen didn't look great. PFF had him at four missed tackles. And you have Thornhill with some of these pseudo sub tweet type of deal. And it really has become the topic this week in Kansas City. It's kind of taken on a life of its own. And you really wonder, is maybe Thornhill going to get an additional opportunity? I guess we'll have to just see what happens on that front, John. Yeah, um, I think there's a couple of things about this. Um, Reed talked about the consistency. I also think they believe Sorensen is very smart, has a high football IQ. Uh, I think that's part of the reason. Um, I know that doesn't wash with a lot of Chiefs fans. They think that the best athletes should be on the field, and I understand that. Um, but I think we always have to remember that Spagnolo runs a defense, a thinking man's defense, if you want to call it that. Um, and I, and I, that sometimes means you've got players on the field who are less athletic 
than other players, but it's hard to know what the result would be if the smarter guys were on the bench. Uh, so that, that's a that's something I think we need to remember as we watch this that the, the coaches may look at it differently than we do sitting on the on the in the press box or in the stands or in front of our TVs. I also think it's important to note that um, in week one, when Thornhill assumed Matthew's role as the starting safety, uh, Armani Watts played on defense, uh, which he does only rarely, yeah. and he had twenty three percent of the snaps. Uh, against Cleveland, against the Ravens, Thornhill had 14% of the snaps. Now, that's less than Watts did in week one, but I think that's because the Chiefs, when they went to multiple additional uh, defensive backs in their formations, the numbers show that they tended to go towards cornerbacks instead of safeties in this particular game. So, you know, it's not that Thornhill... Uh, you know, got a, a low number because they don't believe in him. He got a low number because the third safety gets a low number. Right. I think the problem that Chiefs fans have right now is that he shouldn't be the third safety. He should be the well, second safety. And, and that's I, a that's a, a solid argument. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong, you know, I, so. Yeah, I just, I mean, you had a player that, that was coming off of that game against the Browns where if he doesn't force that fumble, you you maybe don't, win the Browns mm-hmm. game and maybe you're yeah. 0 2 and if he doesn't have that That's pass fair. breakup maybe yeah. it's it's very different and I I don't know I I just tend to think that you try to reward plays like that I I think we can all agree that who who has the more upside as far as a player period to me it, it is clearly Thornhill higher ceiling in a sense now Sorensen uh, has found a way to stick it around for seven eight years now as an undrafted free agent because of the film work that he does and it is that athleticism versus smarts mm-hmm. chart that you have there. Mm-hmm. And what's tough about this, and what's tough about this argument, and, and I, I feel for Chiefs fans because I, I tend to agree in, in this sense. I, I'm not always always hopping on the, the group think, the group chaos and madness. I just tend to think that the Thornhill replacement over Sorensen, given the missed tackles, would have maybe been worth two points, which is what the, what the Chiefs would have taken. I also feel that way about Willie Gay, for example. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs missed Willie Gay so much in this game and yeah. just getting gashed with the run, even less about Lamar Jackson, though I think that Gay actually can chase down Lamar Jackson. Some of these running backs. Willie Gay on the field is not going to get diced up by Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray and uh, the handful of plays that Devonta Freeman saw. I I think that that was not something the Chiefs were prepared for, not being without Gay, and it, and it really hurt them in this game. I think this is something to watch for the Chargers game, and I also think it's something to listen to on Thursday when Steve Spagnuolo is put up at the podium because Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo operate a little bit differently when it comes to the media. <laughs> We've learned that very clearly yeah. over uh-huh. the years yeah. where uh, especially yesterday i, I think <laughs> we just heard andy reed discussing this and he's touching upon it a little bit but not really going into deep mm-hmm. I, he clearly is saying that for one reason or another they felt dan was the better option i mean that is clear in the numbers i wonder if we'll get a little bit more clarity from steve spagnola because you could you know almost without a doubt this is going to be the initial question if not the second question to him um, on Thursday. So uh, we'll I see was what just going to ask, what do you think the over under is on Thornhill questions when Spagnolo speaks to the media this week? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think it will be a topic. And I wonder if Thornhill does get the nod on, on Sunday. And I think he, this young man, he's been waiting for this opportunity to start over Sorensen probably since he had to leave the game in week 17 in 2019, where um, he was the man again. And, you know, you want to be the man, you got to rise to the occasion. So let's see if he gets that opportunity on Sunday. All right. Enough about Sorensen and Thornhill and and that situation. Let's get into Chris Jones and the work in progress, as he called it, leading into week one. That is him learning to play the edge more. Here was Andy Reid. Yeah, I I think, listen, these these last two games here have been have been great for for him. You get two of the best run teams going. So. Um, and this one here, you, with the whole option element in it, you, you've really got to be disciplined with it. And and when you set the edge, you can do. And now, listen, I mean, he can do that. That's not. He's big and he's strong, and 
uh, he just has to keep working the fundamentals full speed and, and going going through it. And some of this is growing uh, pains right now for him on a few plays. Now, listen, he made a few plays too, but that consistency ends up being important when you're out there. Next next level, these guys are at the linebacker level. <clears throat> you know, you're talking, <clears throat> excuse me, plus four yards there, and then you're talking another if they get past the linebacker level to the the next level now you know those are big hitters so uh, it's important you know it's important that he keeps working it so some obvious struggles I think at the beginning of this game for Chris Jones it did seem like John Harbaugh and the Ravens caught on to the tape a little bit and noticed and identified that this is a new edge player who will have some growing pains setting the edge and they were running right at him and, and trying to take advantage of it and, and doing so. And I think if a player is going to you know, play along the edge on the early downs, this is, this is part of it. And Jones didn't look good, but it, it is just one game. Well, it's kind of the similar to the discussion we were just having about coming back from injury. Um, right. You know, you're, you're getting a little learning curve uh, when you change the emphasis of what you do. Um I'm a little less concerned about it with Jones just because uh, they have used him alternately on the outside a fair percentage of the time in the past. And, of course, it is a position he played in college. It's not like he's totally unfamiliar with it. Um, but, uh, you know, there we should still expect there to be a little bit of a learning curve and, yeah. and for teams to take advantage of that uh, early in the season. I think Jones is smart enough and athletic enough to make the transition to be a guy that can be used both inside and outside, which is, I think, what the Chiefs want, uh, is to be able to do that. And um, I think he can do it, but I, I think it's fair to think it may take a few games for him to get there. I think we also sometimes forget when it's this early in the season that in a way, right, and I'm going to try to put this carefully, the Chiefs are not necessarily gunning to go undefeated. They're gunning to win a Super Bowl, right? Right, so right. What does that mean? Like, they they pretty much should have won this game. If it wasn't for the fumble, we it's we can't assume, well Harrison Butker. We can't assume extra points. Every fifty five yarder that he has, he makes. So whatever. Let's say that we we know that Butker's going to make it. If if Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't fumble the football, the Chiefs probably win this game. And all these ugly blemishes they're a little bit less concerning, right? Mm -hmm. I think the Chiefs feel their best chance to win the Super Bowl is to have Chris Jones along the edge 18, 19 weeks from now, meaning right. you have all those reps under his belt, right? right? You can mm -hmm. you're, you can still win the AFC by by going 14 and 3. I think I think that's probably the money area where you feel you feel careful and and you feel safe, okay, at 14 and 3, we're going to get this AFC by. Now, you already wasted one of those bullets. You have a loss. So, uh, you have to take that into account as well. But I think that this is a, a development and let's see where Chris Jones is at week 18 instead of judging it now. Now, in a way that cost you a game. So you got to be careful there too. It's, it's a little bit of a catch 22. Um, but I, I think the chiefs might be a better team in the long run by losing a week two game, maybe in part because Chris Jones is not ready along the edge, uh, but he will be when it comes time for the postseason. Well, I think, uh, I, I think it's important to note that we see this as a game that might affect playoff season seeding. Uh, I think the Chiefs are a lot more likely to have a better record than the Ravens at the end of the season. So I'm not sure that the seeding is going to be an issue in terms of this I'm particular you, loss. I, I, so if you in, are into the entire NFL, I don't really like push it enough on this show, and, and perhaps that I should. Uh, I do... And and Steven Serta is also part of this, the SB Nation NFL show. And we mm -hmm. we yeah. recap every game on Mondays, Monday Football Monday. And I wore it a little bit this week on the SB Nation NFL show because I'm big on Mahomes and just how good he is. And those True. guys that are not in Kansas City get sick of of hearing it. And it was an unpopular take, but I still said it after wearing it when it came to the result of Ravens Chiefs. I alluded to the fact that I don't. I don't necessarily think that this just means the Ravens are going to make the playoffs because we've seen what the Browns can do. I, I think the Steelers, for example, are better than we thought they would be. 
the Bengals are are spicy. And so can we just assume the Ravens are going to even make the postseason? I'm not there, even though they beat the Chiefs. I'm not like the Raiders beat the Chiefs last year. That doesn't right, mean the Raiders right. made the playoff. Yeah, they didn't right. make the wild card. Like you can beat right. a, a team on, on a given Sunday and then mm-hmm. still not be a playoff team. And I bit the bullet and I sort of <laughs> said that at the end there. I said, this is a great win. Don't let it be the game for you this year. Continue pushing along because this is a long season. And I still am not convinced the Ravens are going to win this division or even with all these injuries and, and piling up going to make the postseason. And so I, I, I completely agree there. Like the Chiefs season is very clearly now Super Bowl or bust. That is what they're gunning for. Right. We're going to talk about it more later, so I don't want to keep spoiling this point, but <laughs> it's a week two game, Baltimore. Right. Let's, right. let's relax. But right. and the, I think the point you were heading to is that it's more important for the Chiefs to uh, be better at the end of the season and in the postseason than it is for them to be the better. The Chiefs here. are judged and on I the agree. tournament at the end. Like yeah. that, that's what we forget. I know we got mm-hmm. lost a little bit in the Mahomes golf tournament in 20 and 0, but the Chiefs need to have their best team at the tournament at the end because yeah. mm-hmm. they could go 17 and 0 if they get shocked in week one of the postseason, the divisional round, not week one of the postseason, the divisional round. Then the season's a failure. It's a big failure. So they're preparing right. to be the best team in the tournament at the end. All right. right. Let's get back to Andy Reid. Andy Reid addressed the Chiefs' problems in the red zone. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, so listen, I mean, we've Spags spent a lot of time in the offseason with that. We've worked at a ton in camp, and and um, uh, we, we haven't had the results here. Yeah, we'll keep pounding that out until we get it right. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Everything gets magnified when you're in the red zone, whether it's good or bad. If you're not tackling in the field and it doesn't happen in the red zone, if you're not getting out blocks in the field, then it's going to get magnified in the red zone. Everything's a little bit faster and everything gets all your strengths and weaknesses get magnified. So you, you've got to, you know, you've got to make sure that you kind of get these fundamentals down and take care of it. All right. So this part is bad. Uh, the That's Chiefs bad, made bad, th- th- this bad. might be the worst part of the press conference. You know, we talked about yeah. Thornhill and and we talked about Jones. I think those are work in progress that that are going to fix themselves by the end. This one is a little bit tough because the Chiefs devoted months, they said mm-hmm. months to fixing the red zone, additional time at practice in the offseason, additional time uh, at practice at training camp periods devoted to this. And you look at the numbers to start uh, the year, and they've been god awful. They've been as bad yeah. as you can possibly be. Eight for eight, the team literally come- as bad as they can be. <laughs> yes, it, this is concrete. This is not PFF yeah. grades. This yeah. is just yeah. straight up uh, success rate, and it's been zero percent. Eight for eight teams that have gotten within the twenty yard line of the end zone have scored touchdowns. Now the Chiefs were bad last year. They're still bad, and this is one of the areas where it is concerning. I, I think you got to wait for, for Willie Gay to get back in the lineup. Still, even without Gay, it can't be eight for eight. It cannot be eight for eight. It's unacceptable, and you're not going to win a Super Bowl with this red zone defensive success rate. Well, I think there's no doubt that this is the worst defensive problem that they have, and we'll get into this a little more later, but uh, you know, the run defense doesn't bother me that much. Uh, but the red zone defense matters a lot, right? And so does the pass defense, and um, and and so this is a very concerning trend. The Chiefs have to figure out some way to get better at it, and they, as you say, they devoted a lot of time and resources to it in the off season, uh, and it just hasn't helped so far. Now you know it's two games. Maybe they go on a string and they're fantastic for the next three or four games, and it's going to look a lot different. But you sure don't want to see this at the beginning of the season, and um, uh, and it's bad. It's bad. It's it's bad. There's no way around it. It's bad. Okay, Spags, <laughs> Spags is the best. I I I really enjoy covering covering Spags. He's the man. But he's in for an interesting press conference on Thursday. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of lot of problems with the defense right now and he's going to get questions that that i think he deserves and and we'll see what he has to say about yeah. all these issues right now with yeah, the defense. it'll be interesting final read point 
uh, Reed emphasized that uh, tackling improvement is very necessary for these team for this team. Here were his words. Yeah, I thought we got better with it the second half, and that that some of that's a mindset, not being so cautious, uh, rallying to the ball, narrowing space for runners. Um, again, when you're being blocked, shedding and then wrapping up. Uh, those are all important things. And, and so, but some of it's a mindset that you just have, you have to take care of. So there is good and bad to this. Good because a mindset is very, very fixable, right? You just have a mm-hmm. mindset where you got to be tougher and rally to the ball. The bad thing is, well, why wasn't the mindset ready to play in Baltimore? I mean, this was Sunday Night Football on national TV. You knew that this team really wanted this game and they were going to have a plan for you. And you also had an 11 point lead late that you weren't able to hold on to. Why wasn't the mindset there to begin with that? That's a fair question. I think it is worth asking here. Well, I'm, I know for myself uh, watching the game uh, when the chiefs had an 11 point lead late in the game, I thought this game's over. Me too. You know, and, I and I, and I and I I know we expect the players not to do that, but it must be hard, yeah. you know, to to get to a point in a team that you've beaten, you know, three times straight with their MVP quarterback, and get into the late portion of the game with an eleven point lead. How do you not think that? You know, how do you not uh, let that creep into your head? So. They can't. They can't let it creep into their heads. They get paid millions of dollars not to let it creep into their heads. I'm just making the point that that would be really freaking hard. And agreed. Um, agreed. It, and I, I think this goes to what Tyron Matthew was saying after the game. Yeah. If you, mm-hmm. if you go to our post and, and listen to the end of it, yeah. which has the press conferences, Matthew was like, you know what? Sometimes you need to get your ass whooped. Yeah. And, was 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 frank about it and we've seen the chiefs in in recent years where they lose a game or two sometimes it can be two and then all of a sudden they come back and you're like oh that's the chiefs right right and it's natural it is human nature sometimes to get a little bit complacent and um i think when you have patrick mahomes too as this guy that's mm-hmm. always going to will you to victory you yeah. get a little bit reliant on the ideas now you know what it's going to work out in our favor it always does well, yeah, what this game proved, it isn't always going to be under Mahomes' control. Right. You know, and that's that's probably an excellent lesson for this team. It was certainly is an excellent lesson game. for me. <laughs> if, you were, if, you were, if you rewind the tape, I, and I think it just it, it, it plays into the point that you're talking about, John, where it's the final play the Chiefs have the ball with the fumble, and he hands it off and Mahomes sees what happens and it is just an utter deflation of his body Mm. because Mm -hmm. he's a guy that knows in his damn heart and BK did a great job noting this on the show and BK preview. The last time the, the last times the chiefs were, were down by 10 points or more in the last 11 times Mahomes won nine of those times. There's no Mm -hmm. deficit that this guy is scared of. He's, Michael Jordan, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm going to say it 15,000 more times before I'm, I'm done covering him. And so he and, and when when he knew the second he knew that he wasn't going to get an opportunity with the ball in his hands again, it was just was utter deflation. And I think what the Chiefs learned in this sense and and, and like what Tyron Matthew and Andy Reid were alluding to is like, don't let don't let the game be taken out of our hands, which it was. Uh, and I think it starts with the tackling. And then another aspect that he was sure to mention, too, was shedding blocks, which the Chiefs, as, and we had talked about the defensive line, could not shed any blocks, it, it seemed like, against the Baltimore Ravens. So a lot of bad tape to go over this week in Kansas City. Yeah, it's going to be rough for the players, as much as it is for Spagnola when he meets with the press this week. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're they're probably not looking forward to his their meeting with him any more than uh, he's looking to forward See, to Spagnolo, his meeting with us. For what it's worth, came onto my Zoom here, pointing to the, the back here, and he said, "Change it to defense." I have, and now we're zero for eight in the red zone. Why should I change it? I got to change it. Back. I was going to say, defense, obviously, it's your fault, Pete. I don't gonna, know. You, I will yeah. do some construction on this as we go here <laughs> and get it back to the offense, the the, the, the unit that deserves the attention. 
All right. We've talked a little bit about this game, but we're going to dig deeper in segment three. It's our Chiefs and Ravens marinated takeaways. I don't know if you know this, John, but they are world famous. Stay with they us are. right here. Well, okay. Right. Good to know. Stay Good with know. us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. If you hear a little bit more pep in my voice, it is not because the Ravens won. What are you, crazy? It is because it's fall in Kansas City. The cool <laughs> weather is out. I might go get myself a PSL after this show, John. And that, of course, is a pumpkin spice latte, maybe a bagel, something like that, because it's that time of year. I hope you, uh, in addition to fixing up that trailer, are ready to go to the pumpkin patch and get carving with those kids and grandkids, because it's the time of year to do so, John. It is, uh, but I'm still not going to have a pumpkin pumpkin spice latte. Let's just get that on the record night. Let let me uh, let me say this and it's with all due respect we'll see about that because me and you are gonna go out to lunch one of these days we've been talking about it and maybe for dessert we'll order up two psls all right let's get into the chiefs and ravens marinated takeaways john i'll let you go first here not a great game for the chiefs not a good result what did you what did you see when it came to uh, thinking about the game a couple days later here well you know maybe this is obvious i i don't know and, and and I and I came to this thought after looking at the snap count data and thinking about bringing in a cornerback instead of a safety uh, when you're increasing the number of defensive backs on the field. Mm. I think the Chiefs were willing to let the Ravens run the ball, and I think they the Ravens did better at it than they expected. Um, but even when the Ravens have done better than they did against the Chiefs running the ball on uh, on Sunday, which they have, they've lost the game. Um, this is something that doesn't really affect the Chiefs that much. Uh, they've had lots of teams run the ball for enormous yardage against them and still won the games. Uh, I, I wrote about this after the game on Sunday night, and, and uh, it, it's a consistent theme over the three years that Patrick Mahomes has been quarterback. So I think the Chiefs thought, yeah, Let's let them run the ball. Let's see Lamar Jackson beat us through the air. Well, they held Jackson back through the air. His passer rating was under 80 for the game. And largely due to Tyron Matthew, let's make that point, um, being back in the game. But I think that, that they really didn't care if the Ravens ran the ball. Now, I'll tell you, the Chiefs want to be better on run defense. They do. Anybody would want to be better on run defense. You want to be as good as you can be in all phases of the game. Um, There's no doubt about that. But I think it's fair to say that run defense is one of the things that's way down the list. And I think the Chiefs know that even if they give up a lot of rushing yards, they're still in an excellent position to win this game. And they were in an excellent position to win this game. Without that fumble, I think the Chiefs are 2-0. Yeah, I... I I think you're right, and I also think how many times are we going to see where the Chiefs are up 35 to 24 with seven minutes left in the third quarter, 
and they end up losing. Yeah. What mm-hmm. what you're alluding to, I mean, the Chiefs were gashed in the first half, right? In the run game. Yet in the third quarter, they had a 35 to 24 lead. Things had to go a little crazy in the fourth quarter, which they did. And in order for the Ravens to pull this one out, and it took a, a bad pick by Patrick Mahomes, which we have never seen before in the month of September. So that's how rare right. mm-hmm. that that was to happen. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, yes, he's only in his second year. He has never fumbled. So crazy mm-hmm. things had to happen in order for the Ravens to even win this game. And I think the Ravens do deserve some credit here because sure, I, I think I think the, the recipe to, to beat the Chiefs is is now out there and and it the the problem that i find with it is like yes it exists but it's so hard to pull off it is not time of possession we don't buy time of possession at arrowhead pride we don't talk about it as as loud as other (laughs) folks do but where i buy it is not not necessarily a time of possession but just limiting game possessions in general that is step one so you're not going to win a shootout because let's say each team has 10 possessions Chiefs are probably scoring at least on like six or seven of those where it's really tough to do that if you're another team against that offense but it's it's limiting possessions and then if you can get a stop because there's less looks now against your defense that Andy Reid can't can't adjust to okay that's easier to stop you also at the same time have to basically score every single time if not you know 70 80 90 percent of the times to what it's to for what it's worth, the Ravens were able to, to pull it off. You play this game on I think, you know, ten times. I think the Ravens maybe win twice. And and that's what happened. Things went a little crazy in the fourth yeah. quarter. And so I would agree with you, even though the, the Chiefs were gashed, and it was especially the first half, 35-24, with seven minutes left in the third quarter. That's a game that you're you're probably gonna win if you're Kansas City um most times against anybody. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, agree. you're bet you're betting the Chiefs. Let's see how many. I mean, I don't know how many betters were in, were in Vegas and said, oh, let's see. The Ravens are, are down 11. Those are some pretty good odds. I'm going to bet the Ravens. That would feel like you were wasting money. I don't think anyone. Did that. So um, yeah. now that being said, the run defense to me uh, needs to be better. And, and I yeah. don't want to just throw that out the window. And that's my my first marinated takeaway. And I know it's an obvious one. So maybe it doesn't necessarily fit into this marinated window. But you can't just be pushed around like the Chiefs were in the run game. And I think it's especially because you knew Lamar was going to do that. You knew that that's his game. And these backs, Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman. I mean, you're facing Austin Eckler next week. Like, to me, you got to be better against these guys. These guys were not even supposed to have jobs in the NFL. And so that, that stood out to me. And I think... Yes, where where run defense doesn't necessarily matter in maybe the scope of the game. It's an attitude thing. Like I still view the Chiefs as a way better team than the Baltimore Ravens, especially this version of the Ravens that is badly, badly, badly hurt. But you allowed a tone to be set earlier in the early in the game where the Ravens could hang with you. And if you're better in the run defense, you can finally blow teams out. How often are we like the Chiefs should blow this team out? And then it's a game. Usually they end up winning, but they don't cover the spread or whatnot or it just gets to be too close not to say they're playing down but i think they just play out of what what works for them and so Mm. setting that tone run defense early i think will change the the tone of the team early in games and allow patrick mahomes in this offense to pull away i want to see more chad henny in the fourth quarter we do not see chad henny (laughs) in the fourth quarter nearly enough and it's and i'm half kidding but we don't. Yeah, right. We don't. Right. The Chiefs never pull away. And and they they should. They're good enough to pull away. And I, I think that's where the run defense comes into play. Well, no, I think you're making a good point there. I mean, I just made up, you know, I was just making a, a big point about the run def- defenseman not being important. But I think the the key to your point being as good as it is, is that it's about the attitude. That if you can come out there and uh and show that attitude even in the running game then it increases your effectiveness across the board in the trenches. And that's an excellent thing, uh, you know, no matter what else is going on. So I agree with that. Um, I just think that, you know, I'm uh, my point was really that um, there's no point in getting worked up about the run defense being the worst part of the Chiefs defense because 
it's the part that matters the least. So, so there we are with those two ideas. John, what's your next takeaway here? Um, I think that, uh, as we talked about before with Chris Jones, it's going to take some time for the run blocking to get as good as we think it's going to be with these new interior linemen that we have with the Chiefs. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus on Clyde edwards helaire this week because of the fumble. And then that, of course, brings up all the other issues regarding edwards Uh, You know, whether or not he should have been drafted in the first round, um, you know, whether he was effective as he we thought he would be um, coming from LSU. I, I think it's just going to take a little time for that to happen. And I, I think we have seen some glimpses of what the – uh, what these interior linemen are going to be able to do for the Chiefs, but I think it's going to take a few games before we really see that come to fruition. And I, I think we just need to be a little bit patient about it, just like we were talking about with the uh, coming back from injuries. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think you're right. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire deserves time. Now, I think mm-hmm. you need to see production this year. If yeah, he doesn't do. produce this year, I think you're, you're safe to say that that pick in the first round was a mistake it's tough though and and i know he gets considered a first rounder but a lot of these teams in the personnel staffs when they're when they're really considering these late first round picks we've talked the nauseum about how there's only 18 first rounders in the draft there's only 15 first rounders in the draft well then a a, a late first round pick like that at number 32 is a high second and so right that right fits a little bit more into like what clyde edwards elair is i think there is a lot of upside that the Chiefs just haven't found yet. What is concerning to me more than what he can do in the past game at times for the Chiefs, because, you know, Andy Reid loves the screen game, is it seems like now you really don't have the offensive line as an excuse, and you have 13 attempts for 46 yards. And I wonder just, like, if that's a vision thing. It kind of goes back to my idea of, like, at a certain point, will the Chiefs go running back by committee? Um, we'll see. I think the jury's still out. I think it's too soon to judge on CEH, but this year is when you will make that judgment. Um, yeah. My final um, marinated takeaway from this game, and I think it just goes back to Tyron Matthew, is this is in a way good. No, it doesn't feel good. I know we wanted to see 20 and 0. I hope maybe one day in Kansas City that that is a possibility when. I guess it's a more complete team where you're not missing a Willie Gay, for example. A lot of ha- a lot has to go right for you to go 20 and 0 in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, we turned around and, and somehow the Raiders and Broncos are undefeated, uh, and the Chiefs and Chargers are not. I don't know how we ended up here in, in this hell, uh, but that's just football, right? And so, like to me, you have to lose, and you have to see that that's possible. And you never root for losses; you never want to see losses. But, man, I'm really eager to see how the Chiefs respond, especially defensively on Sunday. We've grown to a point with Mahomes where we know the offense is going to be there. At some point in the game, they're going to put up at least 21 points. It's usually going to be in the 30s. What is the defense going to do against a player in Justin Herbert that I I consider a top-five quarterback? It is going to be absolutely necessary that they rebound, they rebound fast, and I think it'll be a defining game on Sunday for the Kansas City Chiefs. And it'll make a huge difference in the AFC West race if they can uh, knock off the Chargers in this third this week three game. Uh, I think that's going to put the fear of God in both the, the Raiders and the Broncos, uh, who both are you know now thinking, hmm, maybe we've got something going on here, and, and we need we need to get that message to them that things aren't quite that simple um, in the AFC West. So I agree, we need to see a, a big turnaround in the defense. And in the attitude of the team in this in this third game of the season, uh, for a lot of reasons, um, but but you know, coming back from a loss in a big way uh, would certainly be a welcome development in this uh, this game against the Chargers. Anything else from this game that's marinated and on your mind? Yeah, you know, I I thought it was interesting. Uh, I, you made the point earlier that we don't care about time of possession, and we don't. Um, it's, it's one of those things that, that people talk about that just really isn't true. You know, like before the game, they say, well, you know, the D you got to run their games, run the ball so you can take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands. No, that's not, that doesn't work. That doesn't, that isn't how this works. That's not how any of this works. But I think at the end, T.O.P. doesn't work in general, but it's when you have a lead, that's when it matters. Right, right, right. right. And that's the problem that, that we see in the snap count information last year. When we played the Ravens, I have, have to write this down here, that the Chiefs ran 73 offensive plays 
and the Ravens ran 53 offensive plays. On Sunday, it was almost completely reversed. The Chiefs ran 49 offensive plays, and the Ravens ran 70. Now, it's not so much a question of time of possession. It's a question of making your own running game work in such a way that it then becomes a problem for the other team to run against you. You know, right. it's 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 great that we can score on two or three a two or three play drive, but that's not always ideal. You want to take a little time off the clock because especially if you're playing a team that depends on rushing the ball, you've got to find ways to stay on the field longer and get the other team off the field on just one or two possessions more. And it would have made a huge difference in this ball game. It matters in close games. The, in my opinion, the Chiefs shouldn't be in close games. And when they are, yeah, I think sometimes being a little bit more methodical does indeed make right. sense. Right. All right. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. It's the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. Steve, let's see what we got. From the beginning of the game to the end of the game, you went for it. And that's what wins. Always. No matter what. Yeah. All right? All right, here's the deal. Everybody in this room gets a game ball. Yes, yeah. Yeah. That's a team win, all right? That's a team win. And it's big for our quarterback, too. Lamar, you did it, man. You deserve everything. This is amazing. We have slayed the dragon. Let's celebrate in the streets of Baltimore. You get a game ball. You get a game ball. You get a game ball. (laughs) What? (laughs) Guys, I think you should be excited. I really, really do. But this celebration was like a little much for a week two game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where I think people should should notice here, and this is what I said on Twitter, and I somehow it's gotten to Baltimore because now I have Ravens fans in my mentions. The Chiefs are playing 17 Super Bowls. This is clear. That video, by the way, we played 30 seconds of it. That is two minutes and 30 seconds long. If you really care, I put it up, twitter.com slash pgsween if you want to see it. But that's how it's going to be every week. It's going to be continuing this weekend when the Chargers come. I know they're coming off a loss against the Cowboys, but Justin Herbert wants his first win against Patrick Mahomes. Do you think that if Patrick Mahomes sweeps Justin Herbert this year, people will not be next year saying, well, Justin Herbert is 0-3 against Patrick Mahomes. You are that team. This is another a piece of evidence yeah. for it. And this goes back to my conversation earlier about saying how like, did the Ravens get a little bit too excited? Will they even make the postseason? We saw this, what happened last year with the Raiders and their Super Bowl when they did the lap around Arrowhead Stadium. That was the peak of their season. They yeah. finished 500. Yeah. And so They're let's still see what talking happens. about it. <laughs> let's see what happens. Right. Let's see what happens with the Ravens. But in a, in a chief standpoint, man, let's look at this video. These the coaching staff should show them this video if, if they didn't see it already and just make them realize this, this is what teams are coming in and wanting mm-hmm. to do. And they, they really, really think it is a franchise landmark moment. Try to think back. If you are a longtime chiefs fan about what it would have meant to knock off Peyton's Broncos when he was in his prime or Tom Brady's Patriots, when you were rolling with Matt Castle or Alex Smith, you're that team now, and so you mm-hmm. should win these types of games, and more so, be ready for them. I don't think the Chiefs were, and I think this is a clear sign of what is now the norm when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, I don't even think you have to go back to the Matt Castle years. You know, even since Andy Reid arrived, uh, the Chiefs beat the Patriots several times convincingly in the regular the year season. that was the worst is when they knocked off the Seahawks and Patriots. And then you yeah. had to watch them in the Super Bowl playing each other. Right. Right. And, and we celebrated that way with those wins. So we know what it feels. We, we should understand what this feels like. Right. And there's players on this team who were on those teams and, and, and know what that feels like. So they have to remember that they're on the other side now. And I think you're making an excellent point. I can't watch that video, though, without thinking about the poor equipment guy over in the corner going, do I even have 53 footballs in the bag? And usually on these footballs, they put the, the score. It's just, I think it's just too much. <laughs> the, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. It's not to beat the Chiefs in week two. And now I think they should have been excited. But that speech, and it, it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. And I'm, I'm a Ravens fan. It should rub you a little bit the wrong way because you don't want 
You want to be on the same plane as the Chiefs. You right. don't want to just have this have this be your end all be right. all for the, for the season. I I, yeah. I just think they should be careful about that. All right. If you love the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, you can always rate and review us. We appreciate every rating and review. Coming up tomorrow, it's another edition of the Arrowhead Drive, followed by the Great British Chiefs Show. We have a really good Arrowhead Pride interview series this week with Chargers play-by-play man Matt Money-Smith to break down that game. That'll be coming at you on Thursday, Friday, showing BK, another Arrowhead Drive. We are rolling here. The Chiefs might have lost. The Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network never loses. We keep on rolling, and so we will roll right into this week. Uh, For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.